Hey everyone, this is Lil. You're tuning into the concept segment, an exploration of the evidence base on the topic. Today we're going to be talking about how our brains are smart and dumb at the same time. Just kidding. But our brains are smart and dumb at the same time. They're constantly receiving inputs and information and have to so quickly sort through what's happening. So one of the very first things that our minds do is perceive threats. And it's not just our minds. They're obviously getting that input from our gut, which is getting activated in that fight or flight response. But we know that in our minds, we have biases or cognitive distortions, which means that sometimes the ways we think about things don't necessarily reflect a reality of what is happening there. An example of that is negativity bias. So that's where, let's say you have 10 compliments and then one constructive criticism or one bad experience to 10 good experiences and you're hanging on to the one that you don't perceive went well. Or another example of a cognitive bias might be primacy or recency effect. So something like that comes into effect of where you're, let's say, presenting a presentation and there's multiple presenters. The primacy effect would be related to more attention being applied to that presentation or that bit of information because it was the first one received. And there's hundreds of others of these automatic biases and cognitive distortions. And when we are processing all of that simultaneously, it can be a lot. I can notice how even in my tone and walking through that, it was almost escalating to be considering all of the different inputs that go into processing just one input and we have thousands upon thousands of inputs if not more than that happening at one time and so something that can happen sometimes is that distraction noodles can come up and distraction noodles are just things that I imagine kind of like a jack-in-the-box being opened and all of the whatever jack-of-the-box contents are called pop out of it and you don't know where to look And the same thing can happen with our priorities or our goals and what we pay attention to. So I had an example of a negativity bias the other day. I was really feeling excited and proud about something and I shared it and most people were really excited about it. And then there was was one particular voice that was a little bit dissenting and, and it kind of maybe sat with me a lot longer and I was way over indexing that one very small situation and failing to notice and celebrate so many of the things that were really exciting. So what this brings up is the practice of gratitude and gratitude can feel kind of fluffy and I <laughs> that was my stomach. I guess it's time to go get a snack, which I will do after this. So gratitude can feel kind of like this fluffy practice and has been, I think, almost assumed by the po- toxic positivity movement in that it's about always kind of being happy and negating or just kind of dismissing everything that is maybe not going as well or perceiving to be going as well. And that's really not what the practice of gratitude is about. Uh, The practice of gratitude isn't about dismissing the things that we're perhaps not grateful for that don't feel to be serving us, but it's about intentionally taking inventory and having perspective about the things that we are grateful for. 
Because at any point, there are things we are grateful for. And at, at any point in our day, there's an opportunity for kindness. And there's a po- an opportunity for connection. And there's an opportunity for change. And that comes from a place of a lot of privilege to say that. So I really want to honor and respect that there's lots of different people in lots of different storms and finding gratitude in some moments can be harder and not everybody has all of the same supports or capabilities to be able to just change a behavior or change a situation. And I think in those situations, it's about focusing on what is in our control. And and sometimes the only thing in our control is to accept some of our situations. But gratitude is a way that we can intentionally pause, slow down, take inventory, and objectively. Because, again, when we have things like cognitive distortions, and we're going to talk a lot about things like this in the practice session, but we have a tendency to just process these things very quickly. And getting out of our heads and writing things out sometimes can be really helpful in terms of taking inventory and being able to objectively evaluate something. And over time, as we repeat this practice, or I sometimes I would say sit in this practice and get more accustomed to it, it becomes more automatic. It's not easy necessarily to be naturally leaning towards gratitude. And it's not natural for us to also wake up in the morning and brush our teeth. But we've created a habit and a practice of it. And so it has become part of our routine. And we can train our brains through neuroplasticity to also change. And activate our reticular activating system to focus more on things that we are grateful for. I mentioned the concept of a reticular activating system just a moment ago, and I'll share an example of what the reticular activating system is. If I was to ask you the question, how many gray Dodge caravans have you seen this week? You probably would have no idea. But let's say you were in the market for a fancy, hot, gray Dodge caravan. There's a story behind the whole Dodge Caravan thing. Her name is Gigi. But then you will find them everywhere. And it's because your mind is attuned to that. It's the same as, let's say, you just got introduced to a song that you really like, that everybody has somehow known before you, but you are just getting familiar with it, and then you start hearing it everywhere. It's not that the frequency of it playing has increased. It's that you're paying attention to it. And we can train our brains and our reticular activating systems to pay attention to gratitude as well. And and something that is a values violation tends to pull our attention and awareness towards it. There's a survey that I've talked about before. It's called the Values in Action Survey. And the the VIA Institute is who administers this. And it's an evidence-based survey that I think is fantastic. But one of the things that Dr. Ryan Neiman talks about, who is at the Institute, is how fairness is one of the most represented values out there. And so when somebody feels that their value of fairness has been triggered, it is going to really deeply frustrate and be conflicting and often we lean into trying to do when something is uncomfortable or difficult in us especially from a values place and so when we're finding ourselves getting pulled into something it's it can also be really helpful to look at if it's a values violation or not or maybe what's at the root of that situation so what that all speaks to is that making goals helps our brains get off of autopilot and also gives us the agency over our decisions and how we move forward. I think it also builds accountability. 
not just with ourselves, but also with others. We know that there's an evidence base that suggests that writing things out uh, increases the likelihood that they will be followed or adhered to, especially when those goals are aligned to our authentic selves. I saw the other day on the internet, and I don't know if this is validated by any sort of fact, but that authenticity is the word of 2024, um, which makes me really excited because I think if we are working towards being more of our authentic selves, that we will have more kindness and more humanity in the world. Because I think at, at our core, and I guess this is one of my beliefs, is that at our, our core, we are good people. And so when we set goals that are aligned to our authentic selves, it also gives us a chance to be joyful and reminds us of what matters. And as we change our brains to noticing more of the things we want to be celebrating, want to be building towards, we attune to them more through our reticular activating system. It keeps us focused on the good versus the not good. Or in noticing what is in the not good, keeps us focused on what we are in control of. It allows us to be intentional about what we let live rent-free in our minds. So where we're going to go from here is we're going to get into our practice episodes. And you might have noticed I said episodes there. That's because there's a couple different practice sessions that can come out of this segment. So for this week, we're going to focus on goal setting. And then in the future, in a second session, we're going to talk about becoming aware of those automatic thinking patterns and cognitive distortions, and then navigating how to lean into or out of them. So that's it for the concept portion. And if you want to step back and listen to the personal reflections, that's the stories episode. And where we're going now is to the practice episode. And again, as a reminder, this one is going to be focused on how to create goals. Please like, follow, and leave a five-star review if you're enjoying this. Thanks for being part of this journey. This is Lil, and you're listening to Lil on Life. Lil on Life podcast is produced by Brandon and Company. You can find his work on Instagram at Brandon Allen. Lil on Life is a Big B and Little L collaboration. Opinions expressed in this podcast are my own and may not reflect those of my employers. If you or someone you know is in danger, please dial 911. In Canada, if you or someone you know is thinking about suicide, call or text 988. Support is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. That number again is 988.